and welcome to the Top Order Podcast, day 12 of the Cricket World Cup. Australia, Sri Lanka, two former champions, both winless, a must-win game. Who got themselves back on track? Find out right after this. Baldy, you're back, you're back. How are you feeling this morning? Well, I had some horrible, horrible nightmares last night, Stu, as I, as I told you <laughs> off air before we hit the record button. Uh, I had a nightmare that Sri Lanka made 279 and Australia were bowled out for 79 and had lost their third game by a margin of 200. So I woke up three or four times last <laughs> night, didn't check the score, didn't check the score at all. Yep. I woke up this morning about five minutes to six. <sighs> you, 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 at some point, you have to have a look at the scorecard, don't you? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I went to bed, Sri Lanka were 100 for none. It was all looking, you know, tickety Tickety boo for Sri Lanka and tickety poo for Australia, but Australia wrested control back um, to bowl Sri Lanka out for a gettable score, and then finally we got some contributions from Australia's middle order, and they chased it down. So there's there we go, minute twenty two, pot over. Uh, let's let's all <laughs> yeah. get ready to go to work and school for the day. Uh, no, 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 let's break it down. Let's break it down. Let's start at the start. Um, Australia. Yeah. Bold, boldly uh, picked the same side. I don't know if it's bold to just roll out the same 11 as you did after a heavy loss, but Australia showed a little bit of faith in Stoinis, a little bit of faith in, in um, I was going to say Greg Inglis, but it's not his name, Josh Inglis, um, to, <laughs> yeah. to stick in the side. Um, and like we said in the last podcast after the uh, previous Australia game, we, we just needed better performances all around. Um, we didn't get them early. Um, I thought Australia bowled too many four balls early to Sri Lanka and, and Sri Lanka were patient yeah, enough yeah. that they capitalised on that. Didn't rotate the strike particularly well, but when Australia erred and, and bowled either down the leg side or, or gave width, Sri Lanka pounced early doors and were off to a good start. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I um, I wrote down in my notes, I, um, I've i been thinking about, they keep showing those stats uh, like uh, Kusil Pereira's average when the ball's full, the ball is good, the ball is short. And it sort of makes me think, like, oh, yeah, these are kind of irrelevant stats. But then you actually see, like, Pereira was was the big example. When the ball is full, 20, he averages 20 since the last Cricket World Cup. Good, 11. And then short, 62. When you see stats like that, you kind of go, okay, this analytics is is spot on. And why have they bowled any? Why have they bowled any short balls to him at, at all? When Josh Hazelwood's dropping one in short and Pereira's pulling it for four, so yeah, Sri Lanka, great, great start. The Australia, um, the thing I wanted to mention about Australia at the start was that I thought was kind of weird and and sort of it felt like they were distracted and a bit off track. Was Stark? What was he doing at the start? Kind of getting really wound up every time Pereira was walking you know, a millimetre out of his mm. crease. He stopped. I mean, Australia's been uh, talked a lot about when all the man-cad stuff was, was going on or run out at the non-striker's end. Stuff was was kicking off. Australia was very firm about, we're not going to do this. Mm. But they also have done a lot of warning the batter, warning the batter. And Stark, he just seemed distracted by what was going on at that mm. end rather than running into bowl. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one, wasn't it? I, I'm kind of with, with Mitchell Stark on that. I, I'm not a big fan. I'm not an advocate of the run out at the non-striker's end being a, being a thing. But you've also got to play by the rules a little bit in terms of making sure that you are behind the crease when the ball's let go. The first delivery, he was, you know, a bit, a bit dozy, a bit wandery. 
Morning, Binksy. Welcome to the pod. Um, but yeah, Australia were a little bit off their game early doors. We, we bowled some good deliveries up top. You know, Stark swung the ball early and pushed the ball across nicely. Um, but we just lost our way a little bit. We, we bowled one four ball and over at least, and that was enough for Sri Lanka to get off to a really, really solid start. You know, they were none for 50 in the power play. They were none for 100. They were starting to accelerate. And it turns out that it took a really good catch to to start shifting the momentum in Australia's favour. And after that, it was a little bit of Australia were the recipients of a batting collapse that they've been handing out to opposition so far in this World Cup. And, you know, Sri Lanka famously now have gone from 157 for one to all out 209, which is, you know, you, you like we've been saying about Australia, you can't win games from that position, right? Binksy. Binksy, nice to see you. We un, An unexpected Binks, Binks appearance on the pod. This is fantastic. Binksy, we've been talking a lot about, uh, or, or to catch you up, Baldi's, Baldi's a bit cheer, more cheerful this morning, um, but we've been talking a lot in the last couple of days about Terrible uh, middle orders, I suppose, and performances from from middle orders. We got one today from from Sri Lanka. We've been quite critical of their bowling uh, throughout this tournament, but the, the middle order just fell to pieces there. Yeah, look, it, uh, absolutely. I, I think th- what this reminds me of a little bit, and obviously um, I'm sure we'll talk about permutations. We're still relatively early into the tournament, um, but uh, to an extent, Bordy, this reminds me a little bit of a couple of Australian World Cup campaigns um, in years gone by, I think of 1999 as a, as a pretty decent example. You had about um, 17 must-win mm-hmm. games in that tournament, and, and I guess you know f- found a way to got it to get it done in this game as well. Although, um, yeah, I, I guess sort of a really good boost to the net run rate. But yeah, Sri Lanka um, middle order batting. Um, we've seen a couple of pretty significant middle order collapses. I'm glad I wasn't on the pod last night, for example. Um, don't want to revisit that at all. Um, a mixed day for English sport. Um, the rugby going pretty well, but the, the cricket, not so much. But yeah, I, I, I do feel a little bit for Sri Lanka in the, their middle order. They've got two or three quality players, but just they're, they're, they're not quite at the races um, to kind of piece together, I think, a, a number of results that they'll need to be anywhere near a show in this um, in this tournament, I wouldn't have thought, based on the based on the batting performance today. Baldy, you must be pleased with the the fielding, though. You mentioned before Warner's catch, and we you were very critical of them last time around. Warner took two good catches. Cummins, after you know he's he's copped a lot of criticism, bowled reasonably well, I thought, and also you know uh, run out there right in the in the middle of what was going on. Big positive for you. Yeah, really big positives to take away from from this match as compared to the first two games of the tournament. Australia struggled in the field in those games. They dropped key chances. We still burned a, a couple of reviews. That first review on the first first ball was, uh, I was going to say it was Australian like in that it was it was it was. <laughs> we, we can't seem to get our reviews right because having wasted that one, we didn't use the Maxwell review. Um, when I think it was um, Nasanka was on twenty four, he would have been he would have been out. You know, hit the fourth and four and a half leg stump that seems to exist in this World Cup. That's a really big leg stump, as we talked about. Um, so we we burned two reviews there, and I, I think other than that, we were we were pretty reasonable in the field. Some good catching. Uh, we hit the stumps when it mattered, and then you know once that starts to happen, you put the opposition under pressure and. You know, your leg spinner can come in and try some things, uh, which Zampa did. He came back 
reasonably well in his second spell. He got tonked in his first spell. And I actually thought that he started really poorly. He started like a guy who was just trying to stay on, um, who was just trying to float the ball up there to make sure that it landed somewhere near the batsman's front foot and that he could stay on. But once he sort of got into his stride, he pulled his length back just a fraction, and that made those wrong-ins effective to the lower order, and, and, and they really didn't have much idea about those. But that can happen sometimes. So I think Zampa was flattered to deceive a little bit in terms of you know his figures 4 for 47, belied the fact that he probably didn't bowl that well up top uh, against the batters who were set. But, you know, you, as a leggy, you've got to take the you've got to take the wickets when they come because sometimes you can bowl really well and be none for 100. Boys, forgive me for joining the call a little bit late. Um, I wanted to ask Baldy, have you covered Glenn Maxwell's contribution in this game so far? And does that unlock a couple of questions in terms of the balance of this side that he was able to get through almost a full quota of, of overs for you today, as well as a, a handy little knock down the order. Yeah, we haven't seen much from the middle order in terms of the batting, and we'll get to that when we get to the second innings. But um, both in the previous game and in this game, Maxwell's contribution with the ball is significant. We, we need that if Australia are going to be any show of force in this World Cup, given that we don't have Travis Head. We've left Ashton Agar out of the squad altogether. So as our second spinner... Maxwell is vitally important to be able to both take wickets and keep the runs down. If you have a look at the last game, he did a, a tremendous job of that. He kept the runs down again last night. He only went at sort of three and a half, 3.7 and over. Took a wicket at the end there. Um, but, you know, even him bowling in the power play is huge for Australia to be able to, um, you know, just put the brakes on a little bit when when opposition are starting to get away, particularly if they get on top of our seamers early doors. On on your spinners uh, and and on Zampa and and why Maxwell is is even more important. Zampa doesn't look that fit. He's you know t- talked about a, a hip injury for him, and yeah, he seemed like he was getting treatment down on the boundary. I mean, mm. Australia's obviously there's been a lot made of Australia's selection and, and only you know and leaving Agar out and and not having. Uh, you know, another specialist spinner to bring in for Zampa. And it's, it, it, I don't know if it means he's pushing through when he probably needs to rest, but yeah, it makes Maxwell's contribution with the ball even, even more important. Let's move to the, to the batting. We've gone, uh, you know, we've, you look at that scorecard and it looks sort of very comfortable, but it wasn't to start with Binksy, a couple of wickets there for Madhushankar and, and Australia looking like they could be in all sorts again. Yeah, and look, I guess that's what I alluded to earlier on in terms of that, um, you know, must win and, and win ugly kind of mentality that you saw in that team really from what was it, Paulie? I guess 96 really through to uh, through to 2007. I think that was the the final where Gilchrist got 100 nod with a squash ball in his, in his, in his batting glove. Um, and look, I'm sure you talked about it earlier in the week on the pod as well. Um, some real, uh, what's the word, chutzpah from the selectors to make a change to the... Uh, the the guy with the gauntlets and um, early showings from, from from Josh Inglis must be um, I, I guess pleasing for you, Michael. Um, you know, obviously a runner ball fifty, pretty uh, pretty decent in the circumstances of this game. And um, yes, early days, but does that look to be a good yeah a good call? Were you yeah were you in agreement with that as you made it relatively early in the tournament? Yeah, it was it was a bold decision for the selectors, a tough decision to drop Alex Carey, who, you know, if you have a look at the evidence of Josh Inglis is keeping to spin in these first two ODIs, 
it's clear that Kerry is the better gloveman, and he's the best gloveman in Australia by some distance. Yeah, Kerry was um, has struggled to contribute to the bat pretty much since that uh, that run out incident um, at Lords in the Ashes. He's really struggled to to contribute with the bat for Australia, and that I think was the catalyst to bring Inglis in. Yes, he failed in that in that game against um, South Africa, but we saw his value here in terms of being able to add some some starch and punch the party the party mix into the middle order that you know from 20 for 2 he was able to work with Manus when he came in to steady the ship a bit for Australia put some partnerships together through that middle and turn what was a bit of a tricky chase 200's not an easy chase particularly when you've been bowled out for under 200 in the first two games um, to pull that off inside 36 overs so good contributions from Inglis to me the tone was set by Mitchell Marsh early on in the innings he was back to his imperious best. He hit the ball strongly down the ground. He murdered anything short. And if Australia are going to go well in this tournament, they need a start that can be produced by someone like Mitchell Marsh at the top of the order. Um, because by the time, you know, Manus came in, Manus could use up a few balls and not be hurt too badly on the scoreboard. And then you had Josh Inglis come in and, and put the icing on the cake along with Maxwell and Stoinis at the end. The thing for me that's the most. Um, satisfying from Australia's point of view is that we got contributions. We got starts from four through to seven or four through to, yeah, four through to seven effectively. Uh, whereas in the two games gone past and in the warmups, we didn't get much from those guys at all. And all of a sudden two for 20 becomes six for 70 and the game's all but done at that point. Yeah. Are there any, are there any, I mean, any other points on this match? I feel like yeah, a lot of positives for Australia, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Inglis got some runs. Maxwell and Stoinis, you talked to me, Baldy, earlier in, uh, in the week about how Stoinis just kind of needed something to, to go his way. And I think, you know, even like, you know, he's got 20 not out there. It's not a, a huge contribution, but he hits a massive six and probably feels pretty good about himself when he's walking off the field. And and same with Maxwell there with the bat. Hits a huge six. You know, they, they've, they've scored it, you know, well over a run of ball. They're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Cummins contributed. We got Zampa. We got wickets for Zampa. I think a, a lot of the the things that they would have wanted to achieve from this game, even though it wasn't, you know, even though it was a bit shaky at times, they kind of got what they needed to do. And yeah, any, I mean, anything else we want to add before we sort of look uh, look ahead to this, the rest of the tournament? Yeah, Lippy, I just wanted to ask Baldy one quick question. The news is coming out of the Australian camp, I think, today that Travis Head looks like he's back on a plane uh, with his fractured hand and, and could be available a little bit later in the tournament. Um, yeah, they're talking about, I think, um, if my maths is right, 10, 10 days or so away. So probably only really in time for the, the game against the Netherlands. Um, does he come, and obviously the question or the answer, Baldy, might be depends how Mitch Marsh and David Warner go, but do, do you think Head automatically comes back in, particularly if it's uh, yeah, a, a must-win game or, or in time for the, for the knockout stages? It's a great question because he does add a little bit of spin. And as we get into the back end of the tournament, I think having a second, third, fourth spin option to give you a different look at some opposition is going to be potentially useful for Australia. We haven't seen Smith at the bowl increase too much. We haven't seen Manus too much. So head becomes important, not just from a batting option point of view, but also from a bowling option point of view as well. It begs the question who Australia would then leave out. I don't think Australia will go back into an eight batter, three bowler lineup and, and drop one of their seamers. I think it's someone like 
maybe Stoinis, who potentially misses out in that in that lower order for Australia, and then Marsh drops down to maybe number six or seven. Or it could be that they drop Manus. You know, it could be that they go, well, we've got enough batting now in our lineup. We've got Smith in at three or four. We've got Mitchell Marsh. We've got Inglis in a bit of form. If Maxwell and Stoinis are contributing at the back end of the innings in the last 10 or 15 overs, then they might think, well, okay, well, we don't need an extra nudgy, rotatey, build an innings through the middle guy. We've got enough of those. But it's really going to be a case of that middle order having some auditions against Pakistan on the 20th and then the Netherlands on the 25th. I think Head will play his first game against New Zealand on the 28th. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get over, get acclimatized. I don't think they need to parachute him in against the Netherlands, although it would be a good hit out for him um, ahead of, you know, some must win games there against New Zealand and then England. And then now a dangerous Afghanistan side before we close it out against Bangladesh to end the, to end pool play. And I mean, uh, you know, looking, you've, you've started looking ahead to the rest of the tournament. Sri Lanka, I, I think they're done now. I, I think we can go, you know, they've played a couple of the, the tougher teams, but I think, you know, what we're seeing from them, they just don't look like a side that can string what now would have to be, I think, six wins on in the on the bounce to, to make the semifinal. So, you know, uh, you know, early call potentially, but I think we can probably put a fork in them and, and say that they are done. Mm. Australia, that Pakistan Australia game looks looks very very spicy now, though, as we as we look ahead because Australia now, you know, as we said, starting to well that that result gives you some confidence that they might be able to start picking their tournament back up. Pakistan will be smarting off a you know being humbled really by by India. That's going to be massive, massive game for the, you know, how the semifinals might shake out, eh? Huge games coming up in this tournament. I mean, South Africa, you would expect them to beat the Netherlands tonight. Um, there's probably not a lot to talk about in that game, although we have seen some upsets uh, between those countries before, I think. Uh, so, you know, it's it's all to play for for South Africa. They can go top of the of the group tonight against the Netherlands with a win. Any kind of win would put them at the top of the group. I don't think they can fall any further down than third, but they certainly wouldn't want to slip up against the Netherlands this evening. And then you've got some really juicy games coming up. You've got Afghanistan against New Zealand. That's going to be a huge game. Afghanistan are, are going to be full of belief. Then you've got Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Australia. In the next few days, it's going to be some some really, really exciting cricket coming up in this World Cup. And it just keeps giving us great fixtures. And it's why we love this format of the tournament so much more than than any other permutation, right? Yeah, Bordy couldn't agree more. And I think for the interest of the tournament, I think um, it'd be nice to see a couple more upsets because I think um, there was a danger at, at one point that, you know, we'd be going through quite a lot of pool play, almost knowing who the four semi semi-finalists would be. Mm. Um, obviously, Afghanistan beating England um, yeah, mm. has thrown a, a cat amongst the pigeons there. Uh, I'd like to see a couple more cats, I think. Um, yeah, particularly if I'm going to be bothered to get up and watch some of this um, over the course of the next uh, the next month or so. Well, I think that, you know, let's not write off Sri Lanka too much yet because they do have some quite good spinners. And if you have a look at the back end of the tournament, if they're going to be able to do any damage to opposition sides, their bowling's going to have to pick up. They've scored 300 twice. Um, they were 150 for one here. If they can get something out of their spin attack, and and I really liked, uh, sorry, Stu, who was the name of the the opener, the left armour that, that got the double wicket maiden? Um, Madhushanka? Oh, Madhushanka, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So he looked like he was a little bit dangerous with the ball early doors. So, you know, back into that tournament for Sri Lanka, they've got India, Bangladesh, and New Zealand. 
they'd be definitely targeting the Bangladesh game for sure as a as a as a, a winnable game. But you know, they could be a dangerous side for India or dare I say it for New Zealand in the back end of the tournament if the wickets start to come to them a little bit. Uh, so let's not write them off too much. There's definitely banana skin games in the slate coming up. Uh, because as we've seen in the last 48 hours, any side could be any side. And, you know, we, we expect South Africa to beat the Netherlands handsomely tonight, but who knows what could happen. The Netherlands could get a, a great performance from, you know, Max O'Dowd or Buzz Deleter or Logan Van Beek or, you know, any one of those guys. If they come off and put in a big match-winning performance, it could, you know, as Binksy says, put put the cat amongst the pigeons for sure. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, Matashankar, I, I totally agree with you on there. He's uh, he's probably one of the the only bowlers in the Sri Lanka side who who can hold their head up high from from these first three games. And yeah, look, I, they they can definitely win some games. I just don't think that they uh, are going to be able to string it together enough to to be a semi-final uh, spot at, at this point. Let's. Uh, I, I agree with you. Let's hope there are a few cats amongst the pigeons, but but hopefully not against New Zealand, Afghanistan, or Sri Lanka. These games that you're talking about. Let's let's hope New Zealand can can keep those cats well away. But I think that's probably us for today. Uh, as as uh, as always, it's been great to to catch up this morning and talk about a, another game in this World Cup. For for listeners to the show, if you haven't yet caught our chat with Mike Kesson, very very uh, interesting to hear him. Just yeah you know smart smart uh, cricket mind there so i think you'll all learn a lot from that uh, but we'll be back again tomorrow look after yourselves and, and have a great day